you got to get passionate about this thing. If the cross doesn't move you, nothing will move you. I'm offering you something that's greater than silver and gold. I'm offering you something that's greater than an increase in your pay on your job. I'm offering you a... There's no shortcuts to the glory. We've got to get past week-to-week living. We've got to multiply our prayer life. We've got to multiply our efforts. And we are willing to give. God will always give it back to us in good measure. That is pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Hey, thanks for checking out our Christian Life Church podcast. You will be hearing from one of our pastors or guest speakers, either at our Frankfurt or Lebanon campus. Prepare your hearts and your minds to receive a word from God. Thanks for listening. Enjoy and receive this message. tonight, Joshua chapter 4, something that it began to get a hold of me several, several weeks ago. Um, I wasn't, at this point, I wasn't on schedule yet to preach, but something just started burning in my spirit, and then when pastor asked me to minister tonight, uh, it just kind of burnt even that much hotter, and uh, I just want to 
take some time and share with you what God has laid on my heart, if that's okay with you. Joshua chapter 4, verse number 5. And the word of the Lord would say, And Joshua said unto them, Pass over before the ark of the Lord your God into the midst of Jordan, and take ye up every man of you a stone upon his shoulder, according unto the numbers of the tribes of the children of Israel. That this may be a sign among you, that when your children ask their fathers in time to come, saying, What mean ye by these stones? Then ye shall answer them, that the waters of Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord, when it passed over Jordan, and the waters of Jordan were cut off, and these stones shall be for a memorial unto the children of Israel. Skip down to verse number 20. And those twelve stones which they, which they took out of Jordan did Joshua pitch in Gilgal. And he spake unto the children of Israel, saying, When your children, again, shall ask their fathers in time to come, saying, What mean ye these stones? Then ye shall let your children know, saying, Israel came over this Jordan on dry land. For the Lord your God dried up the waters of Jordan from before you until ye were passed over as the Lord your God did to the Red Sea, which he dried up from before us until we were gone over. Verse number 24. And all the people of the earth, that all the people of the earth might know the hand of the Lord that is mighty, that ye might fear the Lord your God forever. I just want to take some time and speak to you on this simple subject. Don't forget the stones. Don't forget the stones. Would you put your Bibles down? Your devices, would you just lift your hands right now? I feel, I feel an unction of the Holy Ghost upon me tonight, and I need God's help, and God needs to touch and anoint our minds and our ears to hear. Lord, I pray right now, God, that you would speak in this house, Lord, that your anointing would rest upon your messenger, that you would speak through me, God, the words that you have laid on my heart. Let it not rest on deaf ears, but God, open our ears to hear Give us understanding in our minds and let our hearts receive what you want to say to your people tonight. And we thank you in Jesus' name. And everyone said amen. Why don't you clap your hands one more time before you're seated. I turned 47 last September. I used to think 47 was old. But you know what I've learned? It actually is. It, it really is old. Um, to some, I'm in the prime of my life. And to others, I need assistance feeding myself. So I'm not exactly sure which category that I do fit into, but perhaps I'm leaning toward the latter. Even though mentally... I don't feel any different than I did when I was 18. However, there are some physical ailments that I simply cannot ignore anymore. Number one, I cannot see. Last night we went home and I told Cheryl, I said, I'm going to fix some soup. And so I got in the cabinet and I got a, a can of soup and I grabbed it and I went, 
So I had to take it to my wife to read the instructions on how to microwave the soup. Because I, I, I can't even read anymore. I, I can't hear. I broke down and got hearing aids back in October because my family got really tired of, of repeating themselves and me not hearing anything that they had to say, which leads to the fact that I can't remember because at the end of October, just a few weeks after I got the hearing aids, I was halfway to the airport to fly out to to the Philippines when I forgot, I forgot the hearing aids back on my bedside table at home. So I can't ignore the fact that that I am getting older and, I, and things are changing. My body hurts a lot. It hurts a lot. Uh, when I get out of bed every morning, it sounds like Rice Krispie cereal, snap, crackle, and pop. And that's all funny and we laugh about it. But the reality is that 47 is quite an interesting age to be because no longer am I considered a young man. And even though I don't think of myself as an elder, but to some that is exactly what I am. And if, if I'm honest, the years are really passing me by at a rather alarming rate. I'm in my 18th or so year of our prayer and fasting and consecration season, and that's right, I've been here from the beginning. So for some of us, we've been here before, while for others, you are embarking on new territory, and I commend you for that, and I think that's exciting. But no matter if it's your first time or you've been participating from the inception we are all on this journey together. We are all on a level playing field. No one in this season is an island to themselves. We are all in this to encourage one another. We are all in this to bear up one another and to help pick up the one that might stumble along the way. We don't want to leave anybody behind, but we are in this together. Why don't you look at your neighbor and say, we're in this together. Come on, look at somebody else and say, I'm glad you're in it because I might need help along the way. We are in this together. Though not an elder in the truest form, to many I, I have been here many times before, and I come with a word that has been burning in my heart for almost a month as I have watched as many in previous years put a great emphasis on these 40 days of consecration only to once the awakening is over to slip back to the same old routine. And when it's over, the prayer room loses its fervency and it becomes quiet and it becomes empty. Worship gets put on the back shelf only to be brought out and dusted off next January. And the excitement leaves and the church just becomes normal. And I've come to, to tell us tonight that this season of consecration and dedication cannot be like years past. But there has to be something in us this year that changes where we say, I'm not going back 
to what I used to be. I'm not going back to church as normal. I'm not going to be the same uh, kind of worshiper that I was prior. But something in me this year has got to change, and I am setting out and I am embarking on a journey that is going to leave me changed once it's over because I refuse to go back to what I used to be. At this age, at 47, I look behind me and I see a generation that is coming up, that is moving uh, toward the deeper things of God. But I also look ahead of me and I see a generation that has shouldered the responsibility for so long and has even carried at times my generation to the place that we are. And, and in speaking of generations, I'm not necessarily just talking about age because I too find myself as an elder in the gospel to many who, that, who may have some years on me. But if I may tonight, I want to speak to my elders that are in this place, and please don't misunderstand me. I speak in love, and I am in no way bringing a word of correction or rebuke. That is not in my heart, but I have come tonight with a word of caution. I see many who are tired and worn out and are moving to the sidelines for a break. I hear things like, I've done my part and now I'm going to let the next generation handle it for here. Or I hear, I get a blessing from watching them take it and running with it. All the while, they are picking up a massive weight of responsibility that God never intended for that generation to carry on their own. Hear me tonight. We talk about the passing of a torch or the passing of a mantle or the passing of a baton. But can I tell you that a torch was never intended to be laid down, but torches are intended to be passed. It's not, it's not ever the intention for, for an elder to take the baton and to lay it down without passing it to the next generation. I know that we get tired, and I know that we get worn out. At 47, I get tired and worn out. We, sometimes we just get burned out. But in a race, the baton is passed from one runner to the next. The lead runner doesn't, doesn't run up to the one to follow and just drop the baton at their feet and say, good luck, pick it up and take off from here. While you're running, I'm going to be sitting on the sideline with my feet up and I'm just going to take a rest and I'm just going to, I'm just going to see how things go. That's not how it works, but the runner that is carrying the baton, he begins to run all with all his might until that point where the where the transition is supposed to take. And then that second runner begins to run as he runs alongside the first. And the first runner never quits running until there is a successful pass of the baton to the next runner. And once that baton is passed, then they finally slow down. But they don't disengage from the race, but they begin to cheer from the sideline and say, that's it. You run with all your might. You run. I don't care how it turns out, but I'm going to be in your corner, and I'm going to be your best, your biggest fan. Because it's not intended to be laid down, but it's intended 
to be passed. The runners met stride for stride. And for a moment, for a season, for a time, they are running together. It's not one in front of the other. It's not one generation in front of the the next generation. And it's not the younger generation running in front of the older generation. But for a time and for a season, they're matching stride for stride. And they're letting each other know, I'm in this with you. We're in this together. I'm not going to let you drop the baton, but I'm going to hold it in my hand, and you're going to grab it, but I'm not going to let go until I know that you've got it secure in your hand so that that baton never, never falls to the ground. Can I say to my elders, we need you to engage in the race. It's not time to quit. It's not time to lay it aside, but it's time to pass, make a successful pass from one generation to another and then it's still not time to quit but you got to be in our corner and you got to cheer us on and you got to let us know I'm here for you I'm here for you this is burning in my spirit so so deeply and so so fervently I hope I hope that that you know my heart when I say to the elders, there is no, or there is a generation behind you that would love nothing more than to come up alongside you until there is a passing of the mantle. They need your guidance. They need your encouragement. They need your support. You may be here thinking, I'm an, I'm an elder, but what do I have to offer? They need your support. They need your encouragement. They need your guidance. They need, they need you to, to carry. They need to help you to help carry the weight until they fervently and firmly have it in their grasp. They don't, they don't need you to carry all the weight yourself. But they do need you to show them how to carry the weight and the responsibility that rests solely on them. You may be weary. You may be weak. You may be tired. But can I tell you that there's a generation that God has brought beside you who is strong when you are weak. They are looking at you to say, I may not have the strength that I once had, but I can at least bear some of the weight. They're looking at you to to lead them by example because what you do, they're going to end up doing when when times get tough. How you react when you get tired and you get worn down and you get beat down is exactly how the next generation is going to react when they find themselves at the same place that you are in. But they need you to be alongside them and say, this is how you do it. This is how you run. It's not about speed, but it's to the one that endures to the end. This is how you stand for righteousness, and this is how you stand for truth. Again, I, it's not a rebuke, and it's not correction. I would never, I would never, ever do that. But now is not the time to throw in the towel. Now is not the time to retire to the sideline. 
but it's time to engage in the race. It's time to shoulder the weight of this thing. You may have not have the strength that you used to have. You may not have the energy that you used to have, but you can show the next generation how to run the race with endurance. We have a responsibility to future generations to show them this is what you do. This is what you do when things are collapsing all around you. This is what you do when it feels like all hell is breaking loose all around you. You don't go to the sideline. You don't kick back in a chair and put your feet up and say, I'll let somebody else handle it. But you run with endurance until the race is over or until the baton gets passed to the next generation. So many elders in my life over the years, look back and I could list, I could call names or pass it off with ease. And I would love, absolutely love Gentry for them just to encourage me one more time. I would give anything for my grandfather to be here tonight and tell me, Danny, always preach truth. Always stand for righteousness. Always live a holy and a separated life. I would love nothing more. But guess what? My grandfather is gone. But there are still some elders in my life. And I will talk about it even though I'm 47. I'm young to many. And I'm telling you, I want you elders in my life. I want you to come up alongside me. And I want you to take me by the hand and tell me you're doing a good job. Just keep on running. Just keep on carrying the weight. I'm not going to let you do it alone, but I'm right here beside you. I'm carrying this thing. Now, allow me to speak to my generation for a moment. And even to those who may be younger than me, there's not a whole lot of you in this room, I recognize. But let me speak to this generation and tell you, that our elders are invaluable. I'm going to say that again. Our elders are invaluable. I'm going to say it again until you really get it. Our elders are invaluable. They are an invaluable commodity in our lives. They have paid prices that we cannot even fathom. They have sacrificed point of pain also that we can experience and enjoy what we have today. We live in houses that we did not build. And we are enjoying the spoils of battle that we didn't have to fight. And we have we have even handed uh, something that that money cannot buy us, but we can only but can only be bought through prayer fasting and sacrifice. Don't number me tonight among those who have turned their noses up to say, well, that thinking is outdated or we don't need to go uh, to those extremes anymore or, or we, 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 we know we, that is no longer relevant. We don't need to take that stance anymore. But I'm here to stand in this pulpit and tell you that if it's good enough for our elders, it's good enough for me. And it was important enough for my father-in-law to give his very life to. It's still good enough 
for me. If it was good enough for my grandfather to take ridicule in order to defend it, then it's still good enough for me. In fact, Jesus said it like this, upon this rock I will build my church and the very gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I'm telling you tonight that we are standing on a foundation that is sure. And that foundation is the truth of God's word and the shoulders of our elders. So I will pick up where they left off. I will take the baton. I will carry the torch. I will be beside you to shoulder the weight when you start to get weak. I will be there to take the lead when your eyes get too dim. I'll be right beside you to hold you up when your legs and feet start to fail you. Just just stay on the field with me. Don't 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 go to the sidelines but stay in the game with me. Teach me how to endure to the end. Teach me and show me how to navigate this road that I'm on. Teach me to keep my eyes on the prize. Teach me to live a holy and a separate life. Show me, elders, how to cover my family in prayer. We need our elders in the game. with a word in this season of consecration and I sound the alarm and I call to every generation of this body to a recommitment of some anchor points that have been handed down to us. I call every generation to a recommitment of the things that our elders thought good doctrine. I call every generation to a recommitment of the truth of God's word. I call every generation to a recommitment of the apostolic doctrine of, 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 of hero Israel, the Lord, our God is one Lord. I, I'm telling you right now, Brother Jerry, I believe it with all my heart that we have been handed something so precious, but too often we're just willing to put it to the side and, and, and not really not really pay any attention to it. We, we walk by it every once in a while, maybe we stub our toe on it every once in a while, but we just go on through the motions thinking that we know all the answers, but hear me right now, there are too many of us that are leaving, that are putting down some things that have been handed to us, and now is not the time to lay it down, but now is the time to pick it up, to put it on your shoulder, and say, I'm going to carry this if it costs me everything, if it breaks my body down, I'm going to carry this. Until I'm no longer able to carry it. There's some things that are just worth dying for. 
question if our separation from the world is still necessary. It's not time to question if the infilling of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in other tongues is still necessary. It's not time to question if baptism in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins is still necessary. 2024 is not the year to tear down biblical foundations that have been passed to us. But it's time for this generation of apostolics to arise and say, I will cling to it. I will carry it. I know that they carried it for a long time. And I know that they're not able to do it as well as they used to be able to. But I'll I'll pick it up. I'll cling to it. I'll hold to it. I'll hold steadfast to what has been handed down. children start pressing wide and do what they do. And it even sets me straight at times when I begin to question why the Lord will bless me. In our text, Joshua called 12 men out of the people, one for every tribe of Israel. And he said, as you pass through Jordan, I want each of you to pick up a stone from the riverbed. I want you to carry it on your shoulder to Gilgal, where you're going to lodge for the night. You understand that Gilgal simply means circle of stones. It means it means circle of stones. He said, I want you to not only take a stone from the midst of the very thing that stood between you and your promise that I have removed before you, but once you cross over to, to spend your first night in the land of promise, I want you. I want you to to to, uh, to 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 place those stones as a memorial in that very first place where you you spend the night in the land that was promised to your fathers and your grandfathers. And I want you to lay the stones there. Why, Joshua? Why? What What is the reason? He said, "I want it." To be for a sign that when your children's ask you to find it, Dad, what are these stones for? Dad, I know that's precious to you, but I don't really understand. What, what, what's this all about, Dad? Dad, what, why all the effort to carry these stones to this place? Joshua said, so you can tell them that when there was a time when all we had was a promise. And we, all we had was a word that was given to my father, and it was given to his father before me, him. Generations before them prayed for deliverance from over 400 years of bondage. And when I was a kid, son, God delivered us from Egypt, but we had to spend a long time in the desert going in what seemed like circles for 40 grandfather, your great-grandfather, they died in the desert, son. It's such a long time, and 
And it just got too weak and the journey got too long. And the nights got too cold and the days got too long. You see, some, the journey was a, a long time. And some even led their families their own way. And we never saw them again. They either got lost or they couldn't handle the journey anymore. But son, this is a reminder that we made it. This is a sign to all of us to remember that we made it. There were times when I felt like giving up. There were times when I just was going through the motions, and we've all been there before. And I was trying to keep the faith, but to be honest, my son, I didn't really have any. These stones are a memorial of the delivering power of Almighty God. Son, you see that river? We didn't know how it was going, we were going to get across. But God ceased, caused the waters to part, and we were able to not only walk through, son, but the riverbed wasn't even wet. Our shoes didn't even get muddy when we made our way through. You see, Joshua knew, Brother Jerry, and he understood that there was going to be a day when future generations were going to need some guidance. He knew that there would be a day when they didn't know how God was going to make a way. He knew there was going to be a day when things would look and feel like finality. But he knew that there was going to be a Jericho in their future. He understood that there was going to be an AI in their future. And that for that particular generation, they had never come up against opposition, let alone walled cities with inhabitants that were willing to fight for the death and defend their city. There were some stones that they could go back to that stood the test of time. There was a reminder from previous generations that would let them know everything's going to be okay. If God made a way for us before, then he'll make a way for you now. They knew that no matter what weapon they were facing, that no weapon formed against them was going to be to prosper. They would know that if God be for us, who could be against us? And they would know that when the enemy comes in like a flood, the Lord will raise up a standard against him. Hear me tonight, if we are going to make it when adversity comes, there is going to have to be some non-negotiables of what we believe. There are going to have to be some non-negotiables about how we are to live, how we are to look, how we are to talk, how we are to act, how we are to respond to adversity, and how we are to worship. There are going to have to be some things that have been established and settled long before we ever got to this point that says no matter what comes my way, I'm tied to this thing. 
and I will not be First Samuel chapter 17, we read the account of Israel facing certain defeat at the hand of Goliath. David is sent by his father to take food to his brothers on the battlefield. But listen, David wasn't old enough to fight in the battle. So he was, he was relegated to be a DoorDash delivery boy is what he was. But when he arrives at Israel's camp, when he arrives in Israel's camp, he didn't see anybody on the battlefield except this giant there. This giant of a man. And so he begins to look and wonder, where are our warriors? Where are the guys that are fighting for us? This Philistine is out here running his mouth. But why is there no one out here standing up to him? And as he looks to see where the Israelites are, he finds them cowering in their tents. There's no way that I'm going out there. Did you see the size of that guy? Did you hear the things that he did? you hear the threats that he's making? Even, even the mighty King Saul was hiding in his tent, and they refused to go out to the battlefield. But this little boy, David, said, I'll do it. If nobody else will do it, I'll do it. You're just a kid, David. Don't be silly. Don't be ridiculous. King, I've killed a lion, and I've killed a bear with my bare hands, and I have no doubt that this uncircumcised Philistine will face the same fate. And this small boy, armed with nothing but a slingshot and five rocks and a stick, goes out and he slays the mighty Philistine giant. And I tell you that story to take you now to 2 Samuel chapter 21, verses 16 through 17 and 20 through 21. And Ishbi Zenob, which was the son of the giant, the weight of Jehu's spear was 300 shekels of brass in weight. He being girded with a new sword thought to have slain David. But Abishai, the son of Zeruah, succored him to smoke and smote the Philistine and killed him. Then the men of David swore unto him, saying, Thou shalt no more go out to battle with us, that thou quench not the light of Israel. What I want you to understand is Abishai was, a, was one of three sons that was, that was born of David's sister. And then we read in verse 20, And there is yet a battle in Garth. There was a man of great statue who had on every hand six fingers and on every foot six toes. There were four and twenty in number, and he also was born of the giant. Everybody say the giant. And when he defiled Israel, Jonathan, the son of Shema, the brother of David, slew him. Understand that David knew that if future generations were going to be giant killers, 
then it was going to be up to him. It was going to have to be him that was going to have to show them how to kill giants. It would have been easier in the beginning had David passed the task off to someone else. It would have been easier to, to make excuses of why he wasn't the one for the job. I'm just a boy after all. What could I possibly do? I don't have anything to offer. But David understood the significance of passing the mantle to the next generation. He knew that someday there would be more giants that would arise. And he knew that no one would ever have to face Goliath again. But there just might be a day when Goliath's offspring might show up on the battlefield. David was, was setting in that moment some stones in place to show future generations. This is a foundation that you can stand on. He was showing future generations that you might be small in stature, but it doesn't matter your stature. It doesn't matter what your last name is. It doesn't matter what lineage you come from, but you too can kill giants. I'm here to tell you tonight, it doesn't matter how insignificant you may feel because in reality, we all feel insignificant. We all feel at times at the that have been laid from generations past that we can still stand on. There are some things that have been handed down to us whose foundation is still strong. That you don't have to wonder. You don't have to wonder if it can bear your weight you don't have to wonder if it's something that you can stand on or if it's going to crumble underneath you. I'm here to tell you right now that what has been passed down to us from generation to generation is just as sure today as it was back three generations ago. I look, in the, I look at myself, I stand in this pulpit tonight, and I am blessed to be, I believe I am fifth generation apostolic as far as I know. Fifth generation apostolic. This has been passed down to me from five through five generations. And then let me tell you right now, don't you think for a minute that I'm going to ever lay it down and decide that, that it's just not good enough anymore. It's not relevant enough anymore. But I'm going to take what's been passed down to me and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pick up this torch and I'm going to run with all my might. I'm going to carry until my shoulder hurts if necessary. But I refuse to lay it down. that in a bragging way in, in the least bit because I know that there are many first generation apostolics in this house this morning. You have been blessed. You have been entrusted with something. You have been blessed. You have been, somebody has looked at us and said, even though they may not see it themselves, I see something in you. Every person in this building you're here because somebody has looked at you at some point and said, I see something in you. 
God has looked at you and said, I see contempt in you. You know what? You don't understand where I've been. You don't understand what I've done. You don't know what kind of lifestyle that I used to live. Yeah, I don't. And let me tell you, I really do not care. All that I care about is that God looked at you one day and he said, I see potential in you. I'm going to call them to carry this gospel. I'm going to call them to, to, to join the race and to run and to finish the race. Possibilities have been opened. Obstacles have been removed. Barriers have been torn down. Sacrifices have been made. Prayers have been prayed. Battles have been fought and won. And the stones have been put into place. And we can't, we can't go back to what the previous generation has already had. We cannot forget Israelites poised to step into everything that God had promised their fathers. Suddenly, they're there. Unlimited possibilities are there. They were about to march into territories that generations before had only prayed and dreamed about. All they wanted to do was run into the land that lay before them. There was a voice of an elder tapping on their shoulder. Hold on, boys, just a second. Don't go any further. There's something important that we need to do. What do you mean? What do you, why now? We're finally here. Why, why now? Joshua said, there's one thing you need to do first. I want you to go down to the riverbed and pick seven stones, and I want you to put them on your shoulders, and I want you to build a memorial to what God has done for you. Because every now and then, while you're going around drinking from wells that you didn't dig, and while you're enjoying the spoils, or while you're eating of the vineyards that you didn't plant, and while you need to go back and revisit what got you to this place. Not only do you need to revisit, but you need to bring your children. You need to bring the younger generation along with you back to this place, lest you forget what God has done. You need to tell them, you didn't choose it or earn it. You don't know what manna tastes like. You weren't there the first time that the blood was applied to the doorpost. This is so that you don't forget about the things that you've only heard about from your parents and your grandparents. Our shoes never wore out. We were led by a cloud during the day and by a pillar of fire at night. These are things that you've only heard about because sometimes you just need to revisit the stones. These non-negotiables. Tell me about it, Dad. Tell me about Hero Israel and Lord our God and Lord our Maker. God, or Dad, tell me, tell me about Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. 
don't throw the sin aside until you talk to somebody who has brought that to their face. Don't cast it aside until somebody that knows its value speaks into your life. Somebody, please tell me, tell me about the Lord. Don't ever get caught up in the, I don't, I don't, rather, let me say it like this, I don't ever want to get so caught up in my heritage that I forget the sacrifice of my heritage. So I pick up the voice of Joshua, and I tell you, don't get so caught up in where God has taken you that you forget to establish some unmovable thing from where God has brought you. So tonight, I'm calling us in the most simple way that I can back to a connection with some old stuff. I was not here tonight. It was many years ago at Delphi Avenue. It was a great service that I remember being a pastor and we get to turn this off in such a basement his body was racked with arthritis. And I remember standing by him and I could hear the loud voice on the phone, but I couldn't understand what she was saying. But I only found out later she's saying, Pastor, the swelling is going down right now. Pastor said, What 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 are you what are you talking? I don't, I'm not understanding. She said, you don't understand. I just put my ring on for the first time in years because my knuckles, the swelling in my fingers are going down as we speak. Now, I don't understand. I, I, I got a lot of questions when I get to heaven. I don't understand why. It's come back and racked her body. But I do know this, that all those years ago, there was a stone planted in that place. And that stone is for a memorial to future generations and others that might come along the way that need healing in their body and they don't understand how it could ever happen. But that stone is there to be a reminder that God has done it before and if he's done it before, he can do it again. Some of you don't. I'll have to share it with you real quick. My wife and I were expecting our first son. And uh, I get a call the day I was working just like my wife. She was weeping. She said, I, I need you to sit down. And I said, Wife, why do you want to sit down? She goes, Just go. Go, go to the truck and sit down. I need to talk to you. And so I get in the truck. And uh, Cheryl said, You know that blood cancer I had six weeks ago? And I said, Yes. Sexually different tumors, sexually different, all that stuff. Okay. She said, 
one of the things it takes for is Christ on the 18. And I said, what's, what's that? And I explained to him. And he said, but it is a, it is the most severe form of downtime. And I said, okay. And so the normal cadence, and I, I can't remember the numbers, and maybe she can tell you later. But something like a, a normal cadence, there's like a, a one in a thousand chance that your baby could pass out from the 18. And I said, okay. She said, we have a one in 18. Our baby can die. My world, she said, Nancy, my world. And for J- Jeremy, you were with me that day. I'm not going to belabor the point tonight. But we went to prayer. We went to pray with Sister Nancy. It wouldn't be, I said, so, so how do we know? The doctor said, well, you can do an amniocentesis, but there's, there's a risk of miscarriage if you do that. Uh, the only other way to find out is, is, is in two weeks with the extensive ultrasound, and there's markers they can look for. And so one, I, I looked up, and, and some of the markers were clenched fists and webbed fingers and webbed toes. And, so I go in two weeks of just hell on earth, if I may be blunt about it. So we go into the, 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 the ultrasound, and I knew what I knew these things. And so they bring Aiden's face up, and there is my boy. And then my heart sank as I saw his fist clench. And they put hands up by his mouth. and they would leave the valedictorian wheelchairs and they would leave out the door. God, if you have ever done it, I know you can do it again. And as I was looking at that picture, my heart sank. I prayed that simple prayer and it was as though God said, I'm about to show you something that you have never seen in your life before. I saw as my boy with those clenched fists just simply gave me one of these. His hands opened, his fingers stretched hands were, his fists weren't clenched, and I were clenched, and there was no webbing between his fingers, and it was just as if to say, I, I told you that everything is going to be all right, and at that moment, at that moment, before it was just the elders that had laid that stone, but I laid a stone at that test place, and every once in a while, I pulled my son aside. I said, Bud, I know you don't remember this, but let me tell you about what God did. Let me tell you how my God's a healer. Let me tell you how my God is faithful. And and listen, listen, if he never would have healed him, I would still be up on this platform today preaching the same message, worshiping the same God with everything that I have. But listen, God is a healer. And no matter what the answer is, He's still faithful. He's still faithful. Stand with me right now. Why stones? Why not a tree branch from the down on the tree by the river bank? Because stones are heavy. 
and not easily moved in face of adversity. The Bible said to set them as a memorial unto your children when they ask, what will be remembered? What is the purpose? Understand that a a memorial is something, especially a structure established to remind people of a person or event. It would serve as only a reminder of what happened. But they're easily removed if you look back at them. But what I believe that Joshua was referring to when he said, told the 12 men to get stoned, I believe that what was meant, what he meant by that, but that, that structure, that memorial was, was, was to, to, to build more of a permanent structure. It was just a few years ago, Cheryl and I were in the van. I was walking across the Hoover Dam. I looked down on the road that goes over the dam, and I saw this little small round circular object set in the road. I'm like, this is huge. So I got down and I looked, and etched on the cap of that, it just simply said, against God. And there were several along the road runs over the dam. But what I want you to understand is that a benchmark is a standard of reference against which things may be compared. A mark cut into a wall, a pillar, or a building that is used as a reference point of measurement. It is a standard by which everything else is compared. It is, if you will, the beginning of a thing. If things get a little bit off, you can always, Brother Brandon, Pastor Brandon, revisit the benchmark to get things back on track. The assembling of the stones was established as a marker in a new place that was foreign to them that would take them back to a time and place of miraculous was a place of beginnings. It was a standard that all other happenings and impossibilities were to be compared to and measured by. It was to serve as a benchmark of things. That when they were to measure their circumstances for generations to come, it would bring them back to the place of God's divine. well before I ever drew my first breath that I can go to and I can say elder set me back on track God set me back on track to the beginning take me back to the place church, we've got just a few minutes left. 
I'm calling everyone in this church. I preach the best that I know how to preach tonight. I've, I've shared my heart. I've, 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 I've ripped over my chest and showed you my heart tonight. But I'm calling us back to the center. Back to that place that you thought was long gone. Back to that place that you thought was forgotten forever. I'm calling us back in this season of consecration, fasting, and prayer. Back to the stone. Stay in your seat. Stay in your seat. It doesn't. It doesn't really matter. But I'm asking everyone in this place, from from the older generation to the younger generation, just to take some time and get reacquainted with the stone. Get reacquainted with with the benchmarks that have been set in our life. The benchmark of our apostolic doctrine. The benchmark of hear O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. The benchmark of the infilling of the Holy Ghost. Baptism in Jesus' name. Let's take some time and just get reacquainted with Lift your hands right now and sing this with me. 